The trade deadline has come and gone and the Pelicans didn't make a move. Was it the right decision? The wrong one. Let's make sense of it all and what it means for the Pelicans going forward because they aren't done tweaking the roster this season. It's the Friday episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Friday, final show of the week, the day after the NBA's trade deadline. Pelicans didn't do anything. We're going to make sense of it. And they're not done just yet. There's a buyout market that we'll talk about in the second segment of today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about this team, whether it was the lead up to the trade deadline. I said they probably weren't going to make a move. Nothing happened. That's why you come here. Make it your first listen every single day. Become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday to be caught up to date on everything going on with the New Orleans Pelicans here. So let's let's get into it, right? No trade for the Pelicans. No move. What's it mean? Well, you know, why, why didn't they make a move? There, there's a couple of reasons for it. First and foremost, the guys that they were trying to get were just not available. Jared Allen wasn't going to get traded. The Magic reportedly said Wendell Carter Jr. is off limits. They're not gonna, they weren't going to make a move. That left the center market real thin. You know, they kicked the tires on Miles Turner much earlier in the year, were rebuffed there immediately, especially with Indiana being good. The, the big name targets that they wanted just d- weren't available. There was no getting them away. And you don't want to overpay for guys. You know, everyone has a price, but how much are you willing to include? Because it sounds like on Thursday, deadline day, the Pelicans were engaged in talks with the Atlanta Hawks, you know, around Anyeka Okongwu and DeJounte Murray. But the Hawks definitely wanted to have Herb Jones included in that. Would you have been okay with that in a trade? I really wouldn't have been. So the Pels ended up saying no. So either the guys they wanted just weren't available or the asking price for other guys they kind of were interested in was just too high and they couldn't come to a deal whatsoever, right? You know, there were no just centers that were upgrades. It's just kind of that thing, right? It's one thing to have a package of Murray and a Kongwu, but entirely different just to get a Kongwu who would have been a downgrade on this team. So I think when the Pelicans saw how the market was playing out, they just said like, eh, we're fine. We're going to stick with our roster and go forward. I don't think that's a bad decision. I'm curious what you think in the comments down below, because some teams in the Western Conference, OKC Dallas, I do think got better, like at a decent rate. And the Pelicans ended up standing pat. I don't think, though, it's the wrong decision. This team is fifth in the Western Conference right now. They're on a four-game winning streak, and they just beat the Los Angeles Clippers, arguably the best team 
in the West, one of the best teams in the league. There is some talent here. Yes, this team is flawed, but they are also good, and it's not a dumpster fire of a year. They have 30 wins already. That says something about you know how they're playing, where they're at, even if the starters have a, a, ne- a negative net rating, even if there are some holes on this team you need to address. They're winning games at a good rate and on pace for one of the best seasons in franchise history. You don't necessarily need to mess with that. Now, I don't think... I've seen others put out there that like this, the front office believes deeply in this team. Like, no, they're going to revisit trade talks this offseason. They're absolutely going to revisit trade conversations with the Cleveland Cavaliers, with Atlanta, and probably some others about what to do long term at the center position. But I do think they feel comfortable with this team as is. Comfortable is different than feeling really good about it. And I think they want to see what this team is capable of doing. Again, there is talent here. They're winning games. They've beaten some very good teams in the NBA. I don't think there's any harm in just seeing how the rest of the season plays out. It gives you more data, and there's more options for what to do and trades to make in the summer during the offseason and the lead-up to the draft and on free agency than there is right now. So standing pat, not making a move, and just rolling with this team when you probably weren't going to be a true title contender anyway, you know, doesn't strike me as the wrong thing. They have more flexibility in the summer than they will right now, and I think that's worth keeping in mind. You know, next year, if they want to pay the luxury tax, they can, but you don't want to pay it this year and next year. Now, maybe makes it more likely, maybe, that they will next season. So, I like this. I think this team is good, and the only thing I did not want them to do at the trade deadline was downgrade, right? You can figure the Jonas Valanciunas situation out in the summer. I don't think he's going to have a robust market out there. So maybe the Pelicans can simply just re-sign him and then move him later. You know, once he signed over the summer, he'll be eligible to be traded in December, like mid-December, basically, or January, mid-January, one of the two. And you can always handle that stuff at that point in time. So I'm glad that this team didn't get worse. I understand that other teams got better, but when you look at some of the moves here, none of those moves were something that the Pelicans would have made. And if you couldn't get Murray and you didn't want to include Herb Jones in any trade for him, I'm sure they probably then asked about Trey Murphy. None of that really makes a lot of sense in that kind of upgrade, that type of player to add to this team. There just wasn't a move out there. And in general, the NBA trade deadline was rather quiet. The New York Knicks did well. We'll grade some of the teams, talk about some of the teams who did well at the trade deadline, particularly in the West, coming up in the third segment of today's show. But overall, I'm fine with the Pelicans seeing what this team can do in the playoffs, getting some playoff experience just under these guys' belts. This will be Zion, assuming they make it, they should make it, first time in the postseason. I want to see what he's capable of doing. Right, We've seen that this team has a lot of room to grow and they've started to figure some things out. Keep doing that. This is not... A Minnesota where you look at their team and you're like, this is what they are. There's no real room to grow there. This team has flaws, is at times holding themselves back, and they're still good. So if they figured those things out, it's an if, not a when, it's an if they do. They can be really good, and you don't need to make a trade then. So I'm happy that they didn't end up making a move, and I want to see what this group can do together. And from there, when you realize in the postseason what your flaws are, what's holding you back from winning a series, address it then. We have ideas of what that might be right now, but we don't know for sure. At the end of this season... We should know more for sure, and I think that can make better, more informed decisions on what to do about the roster at 
that point in time. And that's what I think this front office is looking at. So expect a lot more trade conversations to be revisited over the summer. And I don't think you'll see the same roster going into next season that we're seeing right now. Unless they like win a title, maybe, or even make a conference finals. But I don't know if that's the expectation for this Pelicans team. So that's why they didn't make a trade. Do you think that's the right move, the wrong move? Let me know what you think in the comments down below on YouTube. But they're not done with this roster just yet. They still have an open roster spot they need to fill. What are the options there? Who's on the buyout market that they could get? And yeah, they might be active in the buyout market, and I'll explain why. It's not because of what you think. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about eBay Motors because our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. Let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the week. You've got a Sir Thompson. The Pistons overhauled their roster, and we can only hope that Monty Williams will bump a Sir back into a larger role. More on the Pistons in the third segment, by the way. Benedict Matherin as well, but he heals now in Philly, so that should mean more minutes for Matherin. So Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. I work on all my cars, and all of my parts come from eBay Motors. Because with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. I just put all new brakes on the old Corvette, runs perfectly, the brakes fit, it was exactly what I needed, and the price was great. So whatever your vehicle needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. And at these prices, trust me, I know, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your vehicle on the road over at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen. Today and every day, we are here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. Didn't make a move, but they're still good. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, the number one Pelicans podcast. Tell a friend about the show. Yeah, they didn't make a move, but this team's still good. Tell them why. Get them listening to Locked On Pelicans. Grow the show. Helps keep this free in five days a week for y'all. Now, for your second listen, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. You can now also find it on Amazon Fire TV. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Find Locked On Sports Today. It's a channel now on Amazon Fire TV. Okay, so the Pelicans didn't make a move. They're done, right? Mm -mm, Not so fast. There's still more tweaking of the roster to do. They have an open roster spot. They have 13 players, 14 if you count Malcolm Hill, who's on a 10-day contract, but I don't know if he's going to be a long-term fit here. So they have an open roster spot, in theory, two that they need to fill. So what are the options for the Pelicans? They could play the 10-day contract game and keep just kind of cycling through guys. Guys are allowed to sign two 10-day contracts with the team. That's what Malcolm Hill is on right now. Wouldn't be shocked if they sign him to another one as we wait a couple of days for the buyout market to really shake out. But we already know some players are being waived and there's some options out there. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Pelicans are moving quickly on a few. So maybe Malcolm Hill. They could also convert one of their two-way players, likely Matt Ryan, 
which I think will be the long-term plan here, likely Matt Ryan to an actual standard NBA contract. And then that kind of fills that roster spot and everything for the team as well. I think that's kind of a last resort and something they might do, you know, in the final week of the regular season. They've done that with Najee Marshall. They've done that with Jose Alvarado in the past where they convert these two-way guys using part of the mid-level exception to sign him to money this year. So you don't dip into that money in the offseason and secure him on a very cheap, team-friendly deal. We'll touch on we'll touch on Najee Marshall at the end of this, by the way. So that's an option for him too. Malcolm Hill, you could do a two-way deal with uh, or elevate one of your two-way guys. You also have Carlo Makovic, right, who's been here in New Orleans after leaving his team in Croatia, coming over and practicing with the team. He was on the bench in the win over the Los Angeles Clippers. They might have a plan with him, though nothing's been announced. Nothing's really been reported in the U.S. on that either, which I find a little bit odd. But clearly, they have some sort of plan with him. You know, likely going to need a roster spot or maybe putting him on a two-way. We'll see how that ends up going, but he's been around the team. So that's been, I think, a good thing. I don't expect him to play a significant role this season, given that he hasn't really gotten much practice time, not much NBA time. Might be a disaster to throw him out there. You're not even seeing EJ Liddell, who's been around the team, getting any sort of run or anything like that. So if it's not Makovic, if it's not, let's say, Matt Ryan on a two-way deal or Malcolm Hill, you know, there's no one in free agency as of like yesterday that they wanted to sign. Otherwise, they could have done that by now. You're looking at the buyout market, and this is something that I normally wouldn't even really bring up other than to say, like, no, it's not going to matter for the Pelicans. But we're in a bit of a different era in the NBA right now. This team is not a buyout market team. They never have been, right? They're not usually, like, true title contenders, which is what those buyout guys want to go to. You know, they want to go to big markets in general, try and chase a ring. Makes tons of sense. I get it. That's never been the New Orleans Pelicans. They're not just the most desirable market, right? Like, unfortunately, this isn't this team isn't a draw in free agency. It's just a simple fact. But I do expect them to be active potentially on the buyout market this year. The new collective bargaining agreement, you know, has made it a little bit harder for teams to sign buyout guys depending on where their team salary is. Without going into some of like the specifics and spending a lot of time on that, you hear the phrase first apron or second apron thrown around. Basically, those are thresholds of salary that once you go over that, you're a first apron team. If you go over that number, if you go over the second one, you're, you're a second apron team. And there's restrictions to those teams. You know, you're not allowed to sign buyout guys who cost more than the mid-level exception originally. So some of these guys who are on the buyout market, Kyle Lowry is a really good example of this, aren't eligible to sign, not that the Pelicans would sign him, aren't eligible to sign with a lot of these teams, the first or second apron teams, because they can't, right? Like the Denver Nuggets being one of those teams, I can't just go get anybody they want on the buyout market because they're just not allowed to do so which makes the, a team like the Pelicans in play. So there's a couple of guys on the buyout market that I think make some sense for this team, depending on what they're looking to do. And now is the time to try and get in there, right? First and foremost, you have Bismack Biombo, who's actually a free agent right now, I believe. You know, if you want some more rim protection and just want a slight upgrade maybe over Cody Zeller, he's available, you could go and get him. Okay. You know, if you need some shooting, there's Danilo Gallinari who's going to be out there that you could get some size on the wing, some more three-point shooting. I don't know if that's exactly what the Pelicans need. The two most intriguing names to me are it is um 
Robin Lopez, formerly a New Orleans Hornet, but if you want a center that's at least mobile, can shoot a little bit, can defend the rim a little bit, he's not as good as his brother at any of those categories, but he was traded to the Sacramento Kings, then bought out. I think that's an option for this team. He'd likely come cheap. He probably wants to go chase a ring, but I don't hate the idea of bringing in a seven foot one guy who's got a lot of experience, who spent you know one season here before he started every game that season, which I thought was kind of cool to see. You know, this year he's not been particularly great in Cleveland. Last year he wasn't particularly good. He doesn't play a ton of minutes, but if you just want some depth there, he's he's an option. You know, he can shoot the ball every now and then. He's not particularly good at it. But you know what? You could you could do worse, I guess. I don't know if that's the direction they truly need to go as he's not exactly a rim protector. I think the guy that you really maybe want to go after, though, could be Killian Hayes, who was straight up released by the Detroit Pistons. This is the former number seven pick in the NBA draft. I like him. It's a point guard. He's got good size at six foot five. That's a guy that easily could step in and maybe compete with Jose Alvarado for that backup role, maybe not get as much many minutes as him this season, but could be you know a long-term fit for this team. And they're going to need to make some decisions on guys in the future. They retain Najee Marshall, who I can tell you did have some interest from other teams around the league, and the Pelicans decided not to go ahead and move him. Offers weren't that great for him anyway. You know, and are they likely going to re-sign him this offseason? I truly don't think so. So with that in mind, maybe you need some sort of replacement. Not that Killian Hayes is, but he has potential to be a good defender. Can run point guard for you. I think that's an intriguing player to bring into this team. He's young. He can grow. He will be cheap. He's cost controlled. All of those sorts of things I think are really important for this team. Those are the guys that I think, you know, on the buyout market are super intriguing to me. You know, there's a couple other guys. If you want some more guard depth, you have Shake Milton out there too. Um, you know, you have DeLon Wright who can play out in the backcourt and in the wing as well. I think some of those guys are, you know, worth taking a look at and some of those guys aren't going to be able to sign with other teams. So I think that could be worth really looking at for the Pelicans and would not be shocked if they're in play for some of these buyout market guys when they normally wouldn't be just because of the collective bargaining agreement restrictions, the CBA restrictions that are out there preventing other teams from doing so. So keep an eye on that over the weekend and in the next couple of days, early into next week as well, because yeah, that's going to be a thing that we need to pay attention to. And it'd be great if the Pelicans could add a talented player kind of cheaply because other teams can't sign them. That also kind of signal what people around the league think about this Pelicans franchise and the direction they're heading. And I think that also is a really good thing. So coming up next, let's look around the league at the trade deadline. Two Western Conference teams, in my opinion, really... I don't know if they elevated themselves, but improved themselves. Does that concern us here in New Orleans? Let's talk about that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. You have the 2024 Nissan Rogue, perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class exclusive Google built-in is your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Gone are the days of, of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, the Google Play Store, all built right into the 12.3. 
3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system, the 2024 Rogue is the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. There's also the 2024 Nissan Armada, and it will change what you expect from a full-size SUV. Picture a rugged 4x4 that can seat up to 8 in first-class luxury and style. Tow bigger and explore further in the 2024 Nissan Armada. Take the Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, the Nissan Armada, and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen. Today and every day, we are here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about the New Orleans Pelicans. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Become an everydayer. Listen Monday through Friday to Locked On Pelicans. We cover it all, whether it's the trade deadline, what's breaking it down. We're going to look at the league as a whole and how it relates to the Pelicans. That's important with everything from the trade deadline, the fallout of Thursday for this Friday episode of Locked On Pelicans. It is a game day for Locked On Pelicans or Locked On Pelicans. I guess it is a game day for me, for the Pelicans too, uh, as they take on the Los Angeles Lakers. Then they have a second night of a back-to-back on the road against Portland. We'll break that all down on Monday, a Lundi Gras episode of Lockdown Pelicans, maybe even a bonus episode another day. So let's start to wrap up the show here as we talk about the overall trade deadline. You know, when you look at this, this was a trade deadline that I think was like kind of predictable. I don't really think once we started to hear the offers out there that, you know, Deontay Murray would get moved. There's Bruce Brown in Toronto too. And it seems like just they weren't going to get the asking price for those players. And given that both are under contract next season, Murray's contract's actually very, very reasonable. Brown is under contract for one more year. There's just no need to move these guys right away. You know, when it comes to DeJounte Murray, I think the Pelicans were in on it if he was cheap enough. Like, why not? That's just good shopping. We kind of talked about that in yesterday's episode, the live episode after the big win over the Los Angeles Clippers, if you're an everydayer. So in the absence of that deal starting to get like more expensive and not being cheap anymore, well, the Pelicans backed out, and I think rightfully so, because I do think the fit there is a little bit clunky. And so I think they ultimately ended up doing the right move again. Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube if you agree or if you disagree. So it was a bunch of just like smaller moves at the trade deadline. A lot of guys got traded. There was a flurry of uh, deals in the final hours of the trade deadline. Nothing that I would call like significant, significant, but players were moved that helped teams. And I look at the New York Knicks here and look, I like making fun of the New York Knicks. It's really easy. I was, you know, how they always say like, don't be the main character on the internet for a day. You know, that's always like a bad thing. I was, this is like a slightly funny story. I was the main character of Knicks Twitter one day. It was like two years ago, three years ago, right on the NBA finals when everyone was putting out their NBA finals prediction. So it was like, you know, bucks in six, or I don't even know who won that year. Probably the, it was probably the Warriors year, Warriors Celtics, where it was like Warriors in five, Warriors in seven. Everyone's putting their predictions out there. And I was like, y'all want to know my, my NBA finals prediction? My NBA finals prediction is you won't see the New York Knicks in the finals for a really long time thought it was like a funny joke. Nick's Twitter, oh my goodness, are they a bunch of sensitive folks? And I have a friend, Josh Rodriguez, who hosts a podcast, and I've been on his show many times. He was like, yeah, you, he's a Knicks fan. He's like, they hated you, and it was getting shared all around, and man, did they come into my mentions that day. I will say this. If you had to pick one winner at the trade deadline this year, it was the New York Knicks. Just a bunch of really good moves over the past 
two seasons, really. Now, they don't. it doesn't really impact the Pelicans significantly here. But the New York Knicks killed it. Just great moves. You know, one of the things that shows, and I think the Pelicans are kind of taking that approach here a little bit, is that's some very smart thinking over the long term, over multiple seasons, to build up that team and then find and identify the pieces you need through your playoff experience or lack, you know, lack of success there and go and get those pieces. That team is currently second in the Eastern Conference right now and they got much better over this season, adding OG and Anobi, who just had some surgery, you know, and adding other smaller pieces like Bogdanovich in others and just the type of things that they needed. Alec Burks is a great move for them. Just really smart identifying what they need and going making marginal moves around the edges that do raise your ceiling a good bit and also raise your floor. You know, we hope that the Pelicans are going to kind of take that approach over the next couple of seasons here. So given that the Pelicans have assets to make these kind of moves, I think, you know, it ties into what we talked in the first segment here. Finish this year out, get into the playoffs, see what you need, then cash in your assets to go and do that and bust your window wide open to be as competitive as possible. Just shows you the value of long-term thinking here and smart decision-making and the Pelicans not forcing a move just to do something, I think falls in line with that. In the Western Conference, there's two teams that I thought did pretty well. I liked what the Oklahoma City Thunder did by adding Gordon Hayward. That's a nice depth piece for them. He can be good when he's healthy. He's also an expiring deal, so it still preserves a lot of future flexibility for him. And they didn't even really cash in any of the tons of draft assets that they have. Smart move that I think makes them better this season and doesn't hamper you in the future. So like good short-term short-term move, but also very very good long-term move, but they're better than the Pelicans. Like they are. And that's a team that looks like they will be a top four seed in the West this season. That just kind of solidifies it. Maybe makes them a little bit better and we'll see where it goes. It, it impacts the Pelicans because they're in the West. That's about it, right? The other team that I think has more of a direct impact on the Pelicans is Dallas adding a couple of pieces they needed in the front court in Daniel Gafford, guy that a lot of Pelicans fans wanted, who I don't think is that good. And P.J. Washington. I like that move for them significantly. But when you look at Dallas, you know, the front court depth, another center behind Derek Lively, the second, was like a glaring hole for them. A huge weakness that they absolutely needed to fill. And they did that by also getting P.J. Washington, too, as a front court player. So I like what they did. But when you compare it to like the Pelicans and like the desperation to make a move, Dallas definitely had that desperation. The Pelicans didn't. And so I don't think the Pelicans really have that like glaring hole that you need to fix. I don't think it's rim protection. I don't think it's three point shooting. The two things they wanted to address this offseason, they added three point shooting, you know, by playing Trey Moore, by getting Jordan Hawkins. You know, they didn't add rim protection, but they don't allow shots at the rim. So that's just fine by me. And that's a way of rim protection, right? Just don't let guys get down there. So. The Pelicans don't really have that glaring hole that Dallas did, nor the desperation to do so. And Dallas is like running out of things that they can do. Good for them for making a move. They're closer to the Pelicans in the standings than, say, Oklahoma City is. That makes things a little bit more competitive in the West. But ultimately, Dallas was likely going to be a playoff team. So I don't know if those impact the Pelicans on a significant basis, but those are teams that either the Pelicans are going to have to go through in the postseason or fight for playoff seeding with in Dallas. Something worth keeping in mind, even though, you know, basically the series with Dallas, I think is done at this point. So 
Something that might impact the standings, the seeding in the Western Conference, but ultimately no move for the Pelicans. Let me know what you think in the comments down below. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans this week of Locked On Pelicans. Hopefully we made sense of why the Pelicans decided not to make a trade at the deadline and where things stand going forward. Let me know who you want to see them add on the buyout market. Or do you want them to add Carlo Makovich to the roster? Do you want them to convert Matt Ryan from a two-way deal to a full contract? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with y'all on Monday. Maybe we get a bonus show over the weekend, but it's Mardi Gras. I'm not really sure. We'll see. But we'll see you on Monday for sure.